Hey friends, before today's game, you should head over to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Here's my picks for today. I'm feeling super confident. I'm going Demario Davis more than 0.5 tackles for loss. Just have a feeling Green Bay is going to try to establish the run with some of the injuries that they have along the line. Demario Davis is always a menace. I just have a feeling he's going to get at least one tackle for loss in this game. I'm going Michael Thomas under 55.5 receiving yards. Regardless of who he's going against, whether it's Razul Douglas, Jair Alexander, even Carrington Valentine, I actually like this matchup for Green Bay, so I'm going under 55.5 receiving yards. And then Jordan Love, more than 14.5 rushing yards. I do think New Orleans is going to bring some heat. I think Jordan's going to have the opportunity to scramble a little bit with his legs, and I think he's going to end up with over 14.5 rushing yards in this game. So feeling very confident about my selections, and hopefully you will as well. The best part is that you can get that first deposit match up to $100 by using code Packaday. So go to prizepicks.com slash Packaday right now and use code Packaday for that first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash Packaday and use code Packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Happy Sunday. Welcome into the Packaday Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. It is officially the home opener, Lambeau Field. I freaking cannot wait. Hope your day is treating you well. Let's jump into this right away because this is a really exciting matchup. If you missed my scouting report yesterday, that's going to go into a lot more detail of what to watch for from the Saints side of things. So definitely check that out. But I'm going to go over everything that I'm going to be watching in this game that I think will ultimately decide the game. Before we get there, Green Bay did have some roster moves and so did the Saints that we need to go over because they are you know potentially impactful especially on the Saints side of things for this game. So first of all from a Packers standpoint, I mentioned it yesterday the two people I thought would get called up did get called up, Corey Ballantyne and Patrick Taylor. Ballantyne just makes too much sense. Ennis Gaines is a no-go because he was hurt and they've been calling him up every week. If he couldn't go, you think, well, maybe Zane Anderson will be active for the first time and kind of take on that special teams role, but he's also hurt and was ruled out this week. So you needed another defensive back. Add on to that, that Jair Alexander is battling a back injury and we don't know if he's going to play or not. That lends itself to, you definitely want another corner called up. You want somebody that excels at special teams and that just screams Corey Ballantyne's name. Like that is what he's kind of known for. He's going to be a special teams dude. And then he can also help out in an emergency if they do have injuries at corner as well. And then Patrick Taylor, uh, definitely they've been calling him up every week. This is his third call up. You know, this is his la- the last time that they can actually use a practice squad call up on him. Uh, moving forward, if they want him to play on Sundays, they're going to have to actually move him to the 53-man roster. So that'll be worth keeping an eye on moving forward. But for now, he is active. As far as what this means for Jair Alexander and Aaron Jones, we simply don't know. From a Corey Ballantyne side of things, it could easily just be that he's filling in for Ennis Gaines and they need to fill in that special team spot for him. And like I said, it's possible that Jair plays, but they want another corner just in case Jair's back flares up. So he could easily go, or it could be that Jair can't go. And that's why they called up Ballantyne for sure, because they absolutely need another corner. So it's tough to get a gauge on if that actually means anything. Same thing for Patrick Taylor. You go back to week one when Aaron Jones did play. It was Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Patrick Taylor, and they made, you know, Emmanuel Wilson inactive for that game. So this could be another instance where in this scenario, they bring up Patrick Taylor and deactivate Emmanuel Wilson. 
And it could be that Aaron Jones is not ready to go and they need the three running backs like they did last week. It could be that they keep all four running backs, that they, you know, bring up Patrick Taylor. They don't deactivate Emmanuel Wilson because they're not sure what Aaron Jones is going to give them. Maybe he can only give them 10 to 12 snaps in this game. They want to give them that, you know, a little bit of uh, a load in this game, but maybe not anything more than that. So maybe they want the extra running back on the roster. So it's really tough to glean exactly what this is going to mean for game day. As you're listening to this, maybe there has been some report from Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport of who's in or out for Green Bay. As I'm recording this right now, that has not been the case. The only report that we got is that Aaron Jones and Christian Watson seem to be legitimate game time decisions. So that is going to be a massive, you know, I guess, change for Green Bay one way or the other. If they get Watson and or Jones or they don't have both, like that is going to change things a lot. We'll talk about more on that in just a moment. However, the Saints did have some pretty significant news on Saturday that's also worth discussing. So Paulson Adebo and Foster Moreau, remember Moreau was doubtful. Adebo was questionable. Both of them were ruled out on Saturday, and that is not insignificant. We'll talk about uh, Paulson Adebo more a little bit later, but he's their starting corner, and that's going to be a big loss for them. Foster Moreau, their number two tight end, that means Green Bay is going to see a little bit more of Jimmy Graham in all likelihood in this game. With that being the case, he is somebody that you can attack in the running game. We all know he's not a great blocker. Could be a red zone threat for them a little bit, but he probably would have been that anyway. So I think we could see a little bit more Jimmy Graham, and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing for Green Bay either. Meanwhile, the Saints did elevate two players. They elevated Cameron Dantzler. You'll remember him from Minnesota. He used to be a starting corner for uh, for them. He's bounced around the league a little bit. He's been on the practice squad for the Saints. He gets the call up. Do not be surprised, even though he's a practice squad call up, if he is the starter opposite uh, Lattimore on the other side, that is a legitimate possibility, but they call him up. They also call up Jonathan Abram. Remember, Marcus May is out. Uh, they also have Ugo Amadi, who is on the injury injury report, so he may not be able to go. They call up the extra safety. He's going to probably be a core special teamer for them. He was in Green Bay for a cup of coffee last year, Jonathan Abram, that is. So I don't expect him to be a massive impact player in this game, but he will provide them depth and probably play quite a bit on special teams as well. All right, let's get into my 10 keys for this game. And I think these things will ultimately decide this game and you're gonna to wanna to keep an eye on them throughout the course of the game to see which direction they're heading in. The first thing is before the game even takes place. And that's the injury report slash inactives for the Packers that will take place at 10.30 a.m., an hour and a half before kickoff. This feels like a you know line-changing, game-changing inactive list for Green Bay. Could they win either way? Yes. Could they lose either way? Yes. But the amount of star power that comes with the questionables in this game for Green Bay is insane. Five players, Jair Alexander, Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, and Lucas Van Ness. Those five guys can't play, like all five of them. Green Bay is probably losing this game. I'm not saying they can't win it, but they're probably losing. Green Bay has all five, they're probably winning this game. I'm not saying they couldn't lose, but they probably are much more favorites in that situation. In all likelihood, it's going to be some sort of mix. Even if Jones and Watson play, they're probably going to be on some sort of snap count in this game. If Bakhtiari plays, does he make it through the game? It's always tough to tell with that. Van Ness, I would expect him. He's already sort of in that rotation, but I would expect them to limit his snaps a little bit more if he's active. Jair's the only one that I feel comfortable with that if he's a go, he probably just starts and plays the whole game. But man, you talk about the difference with some of these players. I, I think Carrington Valentine could do a nice job filling in for Jair Alexander, but he's not Jair Alexander. And we've seen Green Bay put up some really nice, you know, 
possessions, points, drives, et cetera, on offense, but you'd love to see them have Christian Watson and Aaron Jones. David Bakhtiari, we know how integral he is. And Lucas Van Ness has really solidified himself as edge number three. Enigbari has struggled a little bit. Justin Hollins hasn't given them a ton. So they could really use him in this game as well. So the difference in potential outcomes dependent upon who is actually available for Green Bay and who is not, it just seems massive in this one because of the star power that is up in the air. We just don't know, at least as we're recording this, who's in, who's out, and how that's going to affect Green Bay in this game. So really interesting to keep an eye on. Like I said, the maybe the biggest matchup in this game comes before the game even kicks off, and that's that 1030 inactive list. So keep an eye out for that. Number two on my list is Joe Barry. And yes, that's low-hanging fruit. That's very simplistic, but I want to be a little bit more specific with it. How aggressive is Joe Barry going to be in this game? And I don't even necessarily mean this from a blitzing standpoint. Is he going to bring a bunch of pressure and do all these crazy things and go completely exotic? I don't mean it that way. I mean up at the line of scrimmage, bringing his corners up. I do not think Green Bay can survive in this game defensively if they are playing a bunch of off coverage. And as I've said a million times, you have to vary things up. It has to change. But even if they're in cover two, cover three, cover four, man, I don't care. Those guys need to be up at the line of scrimmage more. They need to challenge those wide receivers. And there is some risk there. Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, like those, you know, Rashid Shahid, those are all really good players. And if they get behind you, you're going to be potentially in uh, for some issues. But I think you can keep those two safeties deep, give a little bit of the coverage over the top and let those corners come up. Because as I went over in my scouting report of Derek Carr, he wants to get three-step drop, five-step drop and the ball out. If you let him just kind of sit there and have things easily and he can just drop and pitch, drop and pitch, drop and pitch, and you know not have to think about the rush, not have to go through his progressions, he's going to succeed in this game. So you have to get him out of rhythm. You have to get him starting to look around a little bit. The more he gets involved in the play, the more he gets rattled, the more mistakes he makes. And that's how you win this football game. If you see Green Bay's corners consistently off and not pressuring Chris Olave and Michael Thomas and uh, Rashid Shahid, that's going to be a massive problem for the Packers. And I just don't think they can hang with the Saints if that's the sort of defense that they go with. So Joe Barry in this one, very much in the spotlight as he usually is. He's going to be under the microscope and his game plan is going to have a huge, in my you know opinion, game-changing swing in this game. Because if they play soft, if they play off, it's advantage Saints. If they're going to challenge those Saints corners up top, and make sure that they are going to have to, you know, that Carr's going to have to go through his progressions and can't just get the ball out of his hand with relative ease. It's advantage Green Bay, in my opinion. So that is number two on my list. Number three is run defense. And that is also very vague and simplistic, but it's massively important. You're not playing Bijan Robinson this week. You're not playing, you know, I know that the, the Bears didn't have a plethora of amazing running backs, but you had to account for Justin Fields in some capacity as well. Kendra Miller, I think has the opportunity to be a really nice player for the Saints in this game, but you're not going against the best of the best. You have to find a way to shut down the Saints running game and not be allowing your 4.8, 4.9, or whatever yards per carry. This has to be a game that your run defense shows up, that you are a much more you know, physical team, that you're a sound tackling team, that you're rallying to the football. They they just can't live with handing the ball off over and over when they don't have the running backs that should be able to do that. So I need to see a much better performance. And that's more than just a Joe Barry thing. We know that they're probably going to want to keep those safeties back to limit the explosive plays from those Saints wide receivers. This is going to be up 
to Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, TJ Slayton, all those guys, Lucas Van Ness, Kingsley Nigbari, those guys collectively have to set a better edge. They got to attack pulling guards, fullbacks, tight ends, all of them, and make sure that they're doing their 111, that safeties are coming down and getting to their spot quickly and filling that gap. Because if it's not, you're going to see the Saints run four yards here, five yards here, three, four, five, and it's going to be probably lacking some of the explosiveness that Atlanta's game did with Bajon Robinson but you're going to see them run the ball with consistency and just paper cut you to death like we did see with Atlanta a lot. So run defense has to be a lot more stout. Like I said, you're not going against an all-pro running back in this game or what Bijan Robinson's ultimately probably going to become at some point being an all-pro. So you got to figure out a way to shut down this run de- or run offense for the Saints and not allow them any explosives and not allow them to paper cut you to death as well. Hello friends, as many of you know, a few years back the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you buy, you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two clicks only in fact, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never need to dig through your email. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, it's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepickscom packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepickscom packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Number four is limiting those big plays. Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, those two players are your big time explosive playmakers for the Saints. 
I still want to see Green Bay challenging up top or, you know, right at the, the point of attack and, and not letting them get clean releases off the line of scrimmage. But your safety play has to be sound on the back end as well. If you are going to play more aggressive, and we talk about this all the time, there's no perfect defense. There's a weakness to everything. So if you're going to bring those corners up and get Derek Carr a little bit more rattled and have him have to go through his progressions, then the safety play on the back end has to be sound to make sure that you're not giving up those big plays. And if they do hit Alave or Shahid or Michael Thomas, whoever it may be, on one of those passes, then it has to be 25 yards or 30 yards and done. It can't go 60. It can't go 70. They can't make a cut and then make the big explosive play out of it. So you can live with a 25-yard completion here or there. You can't allow the 70-yarders and the huge touchdown catches. That's what you really have to limit, and that's where the safety play really is going to play a huge part in this. The next one is get the crowd involved, and that is a overarching, encompassing whole Packers team sort of thing. And even from like the stadium and like, just get this crowd going. It is the home opener. This crowd is excited about this team. There's a lot of youth, a lot of potential. And I think the fans have really rallied around this young Green Bay team. Give them something to be excited about early and often. If the Saints are just running the ball down your throat and Green Bay's defense can't stop them, the crowd is going to fall asleep. They're going to be frustrated. There's going to be groans. There's going to be moans, and it's not going to be what you want. Keep that energy in the stadium up. This needs to be a legitimate home field advantage for Green Bay, but the Packers have to do their part and early and often give them reasons to cheer. Give them some third and longs to get on their feet. Make things extremely difficult for Derek Carr at quarterback in the offensive line for the Saints to be able to hear. So it's partly on the crowd to do their part. It's partly on the Packers to make sure that they're doing everything they can to keep the crowd in the game. And it's also on like just like the stadium, you know, event staff and everything to get make sure that there's enough going on that keeps the, the, the Packers involved and that they got all the big things on the Jumbotron and all those things to pump the crowd up. So I think this is going to have to be a game where this crowd plays a factor into this game and makes it a really tough road environment for the Saints. If the crowd is, you know, sitting down, not on their feet, not screaming and yelling, it's going to be advantage Saints and they're going to have a lot easier time playing at Lambeau. This needs to, we need to get that Green Bay home field advantage back and for good because it hasn't been the same as of late. I've talked about it before, but I want to see a better experience at Lambeau Field. And like I said, the Packers and how they play on the field is a huge part of that. Number six, I got to have more Luke Musgrave. It's like, I need more cowbell. I need more Musgrave. And I just need to see him be the playmaker that he is going to become, but I need it sooner rather than later. And part of that is on Matt LaFleur to give some things that Musgrave can do really well and scheme him up a little bit. I think it's also on Musgrave to start doing his job and getting separation on some of those plays. There's a play a week or two, I forget if it's week one or week two, where he's coming on a crosser. And he sees kind of a linebacker in front of him and he doesn't really continue it. And like, you just got to continue that route and really just burst through it. So those are things that I think Musgrave can do a little bit better, but I think they got to get him involved. Let me see some tight end screens. Let me see whatever it may be. I don't really care what it is. It has to be getting him the football in space and letting him run after the catch. And if they can get him lined up against some linebackers, I think there's a huge advantage to be, um, you know, to be gained there. So put him in some bunch formations, see if you can get some confusion at that second level, and then let him do some of the heavy lifting with his legs. So I gotta, I gotta have more Luke Musgrave. Number seven is attention to detail in the run game for the offense. 
it's everyone. The wide receivers need to get to their spots and dig out some linebackers and safeties better and just have a better attention to detail. The offensive linemen have to hit their landmarks, get to their spots better, and do a better job of just fundamentally blocking. The running backs need to do a better job of playing behind their pads, staying on their feet, and just giving the offensive line you know, when there is that hole there, like you're paying it off because there were a couple times last week where the hole was there and it was not paid off by the running back. So it's all encompassing. It's everyone. And Matt LaFleur mentioned that last week, but the attention to detail in the run game has to be better. This young Green Bay team cannot survive if the run game is as abysmal as it has been the first two weeks of the season. They're just going to get eaten alive eventually. You have to play complimentary football and you have to be sound, at least like solid to sound in the running game. And right now, Green Bay is not at all. And yes, it's going to be harder with no Elton Jenkins. It's going to be even harder if they don't have David Bakhtiari, but those are not excuses. You have to find a way still to run the football and Green Bay needs to be a little bit more physically imposing. It's not just attention to detail, but when you're one-on-ones, Get somebody out, you know, out of the the you know gap and open up a hole for some of these running backs because the running backs shouldn't have to do all the heavy lifting either. Number eight, the veterans on defense have to step up. Last week, some of the biggest culprits in that game were Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, Devondre Campbell, Preston Smith. Your veterans were the one. We always talk about like this is a young team and it's gonna you know it's gonna take some time for them to learn how to win in the NFL. Sure, fine, whatever but it can't take time for your veterans to win in the NFL. They know how to win. They know how to play good football and they need to be much better than they were against Atlanta a week ago. We need to see better from Jair, assuming he's in the game, better from Rashawn Gary, better from Devondre Campbell, better from Preston Smith. We need to see some playmaking out of those guys. Quay Walker's having a nice season. Devontae Wyatt was really good in week one. Kenny Clark's playing like the beast that he is. There's some really good stuff out there, but the veterans are the ones that are going to drive this team. They didn't play well against Atlanta. To me, it was the difference in the game. Those four that I mentioned were like negative three points something last week. If they just have a neutral game, if Jair, Preston, Campbell, and uh, whoever else I said, I'm already forgetting it, but Jair, Preston, Campbell, and... It wasn't Razul. It was uh, one of the defensive ends. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like those guys just have to play better. Rashawn. It was Rashawn. Sorry. Those guys, if they just play like a neutral, even game, Green Bay wins last week. So need to see a lot more from the veterans on this defense. Number nine is Green Bay needs to have a backup plan for their backup plans. All right. So what does that mean? We saw last week that at offensive line, Rashid Walker, Royce Newman, they struggled a little bit at times. And more specifically, running back, A.J. Dillon, filling in for Aaron Jones, they struggled at times. If things are not going well, I think Rashid needs to stay in at left tackle. But if it's abysmal, if he's just not blocking at all, you got to go to Yash and just switch to Yash and see if that can be better. If they start Royce Newman and he does not do well, then you need to switch to Sean Ryan. If you start Sean Ryan and he does not do well, you need to make the switch to Royce Newman. Whatever it may be, if something's not working, if if Dylan is if Jones is out and Dylan is the guy and he's it's the same thing as last week, he's tripping over and not staying balanced and those sort of things, you got to go Emmanuel Wilson or Patrick Taylor, something different. You can't just keep doing the same thing over and over. I thought last week some of their backups didn't have great games and they didn't have a backup plan for it. This week, it needs to be better. If those guys aren't up to snuff, if they're not playing well, get them out, get somebody in who can play better. And maybe that doesn't go well either, but you have to have a plan. And that means if you can't run the ball, all right, then it's Jordan Love time. And that sucks. Like I said, you need to figure out a way to run the ball and have balance, but you can't just keep running it into a wall either. So you're going to have to have a backup plan to your backup plan. If things go to crap, 
figure it out, have the adjustments, and make sure that you are prepared for whatever is going to come your way. Even if some of the Rashid Walkers, the Royce Newmans, the Sean Ryans, the AJ Dillons, whoever it may be, they're not cutting it, then figure out somebody who can get in there and actually make a difference because last week it was not good enough. Number 10, my last one, can you attack the corner opposite Lattimore? It's going to be one of two players. It's going to be Cam Dantzler or it's going to be Isaac Yadam. Yeah, the former Packer who was a terrible cover corner. That's why I think Dantzler is actually going to get the start over there. They don't have a ton of depth there and they're going to have to play some corners that quite frankly just aren't very good in this game. They're also having their starting safety, Marcus May, that is out. But that specific corner, get some mismatches. That is going to be a win for your receivers. Romeo Dobbs can win that matchup. Christian Watson can win that matchup. Jaden Reed can win that matchup. I think even Samore Toure and some of the others can win that matchup. Malik Heath, whoever, Dontavian Wicks can win that matchup. But get some mismatches on that opposite corner. Get them in man coverage and prosper. If you can win some of those big matchups on the outside with a corner who is a practice squad guy or Isaac Yadam, who is a really tough cover corner, those are advantages you have to take advantage of. So I want to see Green Bay attack that early and often. Last one, bonus one, regardless of who plays in this game for Green Bay, if it, whether it's Jones, Bakhtiari, Watson, doesn't matter. Green Bay needs to get out of this game relatively clean with a clean bill of health. They are due for a game where they don't have any crazy injuries. Like, they have a game on Thursday. They can't really afford more guys banged up. The, the injury list is long enough with ex- extremely important players. This is a team that needs to get healthy sooner rather than later. They got to find a way to get out of this game healthy. So hopefully with a win, that's the biggest thing. Get out of Green Bay or get you know go home with a win in this one. But uh, they also need to figure out a way to get this team a little bit more healthy. They can't afford any more big injuries coming out of this one. So not only win the game, but come out with a clean bill of health at least as much as possible. My prediction for this one, here's what I will ultimately say. I think Green Bay goes one and one in the next five days. Between the Lions game and the Saints game, they go one and one. I'm struggling to figure out, do they win against the Saints and lose against the Lions? Do they win against, you know, the whatever, whatever the reverse is. You get my point. I think they're going to go one and one. I'm gonna, I think they can go 2-0. I think they can go 0-2. And, and I could, I've could. i talked myself in and out of all of this like a million times. But I'm going to say in this one, Packers 19, Saints 17. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Green Bay gets two touchdowns, two field goals with a missed extra point. So I think they're going to go 19 points. I think the Saints get two touchdowns and a field goal, 19-17. Maybe we'll even say Anders Carlson wins it with a walk-off field goal for the victory. We'll, we'll go that way. 19-17 Packers. I think it should be a good one. I'm so excited for it. Can't wait to be there. Should be a really fun game. I hope everyone enjoys the heck out of it. I believe I'm going to do a post-game show, but it'll take me a little bit of time because I'll be at the stadium in the press box. Then I got to do the post-game press conferences. Then I got to figure out a way to you know get through the traffic and get home. And then I think I'm going to do a, a post-game show after that. So I'm thinking maybe like 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock at the latest, but I'm going to do a live post-game show at some point. At least that's the plan right now, so keep an eye out for that. Of course, I'll have the uh, big recap on Monday morning, so you're going to want to check that out as well. Appreciate you guys and your following and your memberships and your subscriptions. Uh, If you haven't checked out Packaday memberships yet, make sure to do so. Appreciate you guys a ton. Go Pack Go, especially on this day facing the Saints. But until next time, and as always, I'll say it again, Go Pack Go. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.